two in the grace and growing, and we're just kind of looking at the disciplines of grace, and we like this uh, Colossians 2.5 verse that I have at the top of your handout, and it basically is Paul's, um, peek into Paul's life, he says, I am rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Rejoice the, uh, the apostle who was so influential in the Colossian church to see them with good discipline and then stable. And, and so the idea of here, the disciplines of grace, is to have good discipline and to have our, our roots go deep. And we're going to kind of have a little review of what we studied last week. But let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you this morning, uh, this beautiful morning that you've provided for us. We thank you for all the good things that we have in Christ and the hope that we have in heaven. We're thankful for our body here and the encouragement we get uh, in the fellowship. And we're thankful for your word that gives us wisdom and gives us direction and uh, warnings and blessings. And we thank you for that. We ask you to bless our time together this morning. Uh, help our minds be sharp. Help us to be ready to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, just as a review from last week, if you weren't here, some things that are, um, I think, essential as we, we talk about the disciplines of grace. Uh, we were answering this question, how do we grow in Christ? And we said a few things. One, that it's by God's grace. Uh, he merits to us in salvation and in also in sanctification. We talked about the characteristics of grace last week. Uh, about um, the common grace that all of us get to enjoy, uh, just being human on this earth, the good things that God has provided. And then we talked about the saving grace, where God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, puts his spirit within us, and he makes us a new person. We talked about this command that says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and how the word discipline doesn't always bring up the happiest of thoughts. Uh, I challenged any of you to put a banner on your house that would say that, see what your neighbors would say of you. Uh, it's not a, an effort toward legalism. We're not trying to attain a higher position with God. That's been done in Christ. We want to say that up front. But we do find this uh, new desire we talked about, this new desire that we have in Christ, and it causes us to want to want to grow. We have these new desires that God places within us, and we, we challenged uh, each of us yesterday, that, do we have that? Do we have the, that new spirit that's causing us and wanting us to grow? Uh, we talked about that it's at the heart level that grace works uh, in giving these, these new desires. The mystery of the Holy Spirit is also working here, and we have a problem. The problem is we have hearts that are leading us away from him and toward our own fleshly desires and a call to set our hope set on the future of our living God. We had an example of that at the top of your handout. There's a picture of a tree, and again and again, Scripture kind of looks at that as a picture of our, of our growth in Christ, and uh, are we producing fruit? Uh, is it a healthy tree? We talked about some Scriptures that uh, direct us there. And then we talked about the mystery of grace and obedience, that, the idea that in, in, in salvation, uh, God is doing the work. He's given us a new heart, 
and then we believe. But in sanctification, it's a, it's a, it's a work together. We're, we're both working together on growing in Christ. This is an area that in, in our church, Calvary Bible Church, we've worked on that for several years now so that we, everyone would have a, a good teaching in our mind that, that this requires work for us to participate. We get to participate in our sanctification. And then we close with a discussion of the process and the pathway of doing that. I'm going to tell you something that uh, this is not going to be a detailed look on how to do the disciplines of grace. That's not my intention here, but I do want to kind of give you just an overview also why these things are important. So that's what I do want to hit on, on why these disciplines of grace are important in our life. Um, We talked about the process being uh, hearing from God, you hear, you receive, and then you follow, right? You hear from God, you receive that message by faith, and then you follow in obedience. And it's that following part that sometimes gets a little sticky too, you know, because uh, following Christ means that you're putting off certain things. We talked about in Psalms 1 where uh, you're not listening to the scoffers and you're, you're rejecting uh, the world's thinking and sinful ideas and, and it's talking about how you're delighting in the Word of God and how you're, you're putting off when you're putting on. Does that sound familiar? So you see that concept again and again in the epistles. Uh, in, in most of the epistles you see you know, we're putting off things of the world, we're putting on in our pursuit of Christ. So this is the process that we have, and I didn't spend a lot of time as much as I wanted to on the pathways. So there are pathways that God has provided for us to grow. These are also known as the disciplines of grace. Um, and I had a question here. Uh, this pathway, God gives us some insights on where it's leading. Psalm 1611, we mentioned last time, you make known to me the path of life. Right In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forever. So this pathway is a pathway of life. What kind of life is he drawing us to? It's, it's eternal life. I'd like for us to, to flip over, if you could, to John chapter 17. I want to tie these two things together. This is Christ in the priestly prayer. kind of gives us an understanding of what eternal life is. Father, the hour has come, verse 2, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And here's a definition. Isn't it great when the Lord gives us definitions? And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this, here's your definition of eternal life. It's this knowing God. And, and another way of looking at that is, is this relationship. This relationship where God adopts us into his family, we're his child. This is the kind of eternal life that he's talking about. And these pathways lead us there. These pathways of grace lead us there. And... Um, we think about pathways, uh, there's been some good examples. I, I think I didn't mention, but I did mention last week, a lot of uh, our material that we get is from two really excellent books, Habits of Grace 
by David Mathis. It's an excellent book. And Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. This is Whitney's book. And we talked about those last week. And some of these uh, ideas, Lord, uh, they have presented. And one of these, what examples do we have in Scripture of putting ourselves in the path of grace? And Zacchaeus comes to mind. Remember? Wee little man Zacchaeus, he's small, and he climbs up in the the sycamore tree, right? But he wanted to be in the path of grace. He positioned himself because he knew where Christ was coming, and the poor guy was just too short to see what was going on. He needed to be somewhere where he could see that. Uh, You think of blind Bartimaeus. Whitney points this out, that he positioned himself along the pathway and cried out the Lord was passing because he needed something from the Lord. Um... Also thinking about the woman with a bleeding disorder. If you remember that story, she just knew if she could just get there, just touch him, right? She put herself in the pathway of grace. And, and so in this discussion on the grace and growing is this idea of putting ourselves on these paths of grace that God has provided, these disciplines of grace where we benefit, where we grow. And remember these pathways have promises, so I've listed a few verses here for you. Uh, this is not exhaustive. There's a few things to, to be remindful of. Hebrews 11:6. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a what? A rewarder, a rewarder of those who seek him. Isn't that wonderful to, to, to realize that once you're pursuing Christ, he's rewarding you with his presence, with his blessings, with his joy. So God is a rewarder. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.29 says, Seek the Lord and you will find him. Uh, So God will be found. And that's encouraging. When you go to his word, you know that he will be found. Uh, It's that type of saying is several places in the scriptures. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. You see that several places. I remember some years ago, Mike, Mike Cosgrove, there you are, he was teaching us out of the book, Grasping God's Word. He was talking about that, that if and then in so many places in scriptures. If you do this, then here are the blessings. If you don't do this, here are the negative things, here are the curses, right? And it, it, just a reminder that in this case, God will be found if we seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Ah, that's getting a little bit harder. Uh, God wants our heart. He wants not just the ritual of doing something, but he wants the joy of the relationship in that doing. He wants that desire to follow after you. Okay, him. All right, so I'm using a little graph here. I have a, a new stylus. I'm going to see if that works. You have a little graph on your sheet there. And we talked about how this is a good picture of the Christian life last week. And as we go, we suggested it's good to start here at the beginning. And this tends to be our Christian life. Sometimes we have ups and downs. But the direction of our life is Godward. Right? This is a picture of us growing in Christ. Now, along these pathways, uh, God has placed certain things, and I'd like for you to write these down, these pathways of grace where he provides 
blessing and, and grace and growth. This is how we grow. Um, there's a lot of disciplines. And what I want to remind us here, if you look at all the disciplines that you see in the scriptures, it's a little overwhelming. How many of you can think about all the things that God is calling us to do? And you think, look, Ken, I have work to do, and I have to get up early, and I have a family. How do I fit all this, this, these disciplines into my life? I like what Mathis does here because he kind of divides these into three categories. He divides them in hearing the Word of, of God, having God's ear, and the body fellowship. That's much easier for my mind to grasp on because I can tell you how am I doing hearing God's Word because there's a lot of different ways I can do that. How am I doing with having God's ear in prayer and fasting? There's ways that I can judge myself on that and evaluate myself. And in the body fellowship, which Mathis likes to add in there, how am I doing there? And so it's much easier if you think about that, those categories rather than being overwhelmed with, with all of them at once. But here we go. We're going to list several of these. I'd like for you to write these along your graph as we go. The first one is hearing God's Word. And that's just basically reading, reading the Scriptures. I can't even read my own writing, by the way. Reading the Scriptures. Another one here is meditation. If we get to it, we're going to talk about meditation. Okay. Then there's memorization, all right? Memorize. Wow, that's really bad. Okay, having God's ear, uh, that would be the first thing we know is, starts with a P, prayer, right. So we can add prayer in here. These are all means of grace that God has provided for us to grow. This is, these are things that are going to help your graph go a little faster in your life. All right? Fasting. We're going to talk about fasting. Wow, that's important. Looks like fatting. That's not what I'm trying to say. Fatting. Silence and solitude. And we would just say having your quiet time. No, it's not a gas station. It, this is the quiet time where you get along with God and block out the things that uh, can distract us. And then body fellowship, things like worshiping together, right? Uh, serving one another. Giving. The sacrifice of giving. And we'd also write here, discipleship. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some of the major themes that you see and exampled in the scriptures. All of these things God has provided as means of grace for you and me to grow. When we're doing these things, God is using us and he's drawing us in to grow in Christ. Okay, with that said, don't be overwhelmed. <laughs> okay, let's think of the, the categories, hearing God's word, having God's ear, and the body fellowship. Uh, the first thing we're going to hit at uh, today is the pathway of hearing God's voice. If we don't get through all of your handout, do not panic. We'll come back to it next time. But I wanted to, to set some of this groundwork here uh, so we could actually see it. Okay, I'm going to leave that, leave that up. Um, 
The first pathway is the pathway of hearing God's voice. And I will tell you, this is the most uh, important uh, of all the disciplines, is listening to God and what he has to say. Um, I'd like for us to turn to Isaiah 55, which is a wonderful call that God has. It also kind of gives you an, an aspect of God's heart. His desire to be in fellowship. You could see it as a call to worship. He says, 55 verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me, listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Uh, You see so much theology, and you learn a lot about who God is just in that one section of Scripture. You see the call to come. Five times God is saying, come, come. If you're listening, come. He encourages us to do what we ought to do when God calls, to, to hear, listen. It's a call to hear the message. And class, what does it say how we are to listen? Diligently. Good. Anybody have an NAS? Carefully. Yeah, it's, it's an idea of looking closely like your nose is right up in the Word trying to decipher, what does he mean here? Let me understand this the right way. It's just an idea of a Bible study to understand that I understand what God is saying the right way. And is it a good message? It's a good message. Yeah. So it's, a, it's the good news, the blessings of coming to God for uh, his blessings to us. Who is the audience? Tell me. Who's the audience? It kind of identifies them in categories, really. Those who are thirsty. Yeah, those who are thirsty. The hungry come. The poor come. And I don't think he's really talking about kings and queens versus the beggar on the street. He's talking about those who are poor in spirit, who understand their need for God. That kind of uh, humility, God is calling those to come to him. Uh, The results of being deeply satisfied in the Lord. Notice the word delight. He uses the word delight yourself in the Lord. And I will make, uh, excuse me, and hear with your so- that your soul may live. So this is, this is soul food, right? This is for our soul. Reading the word of God, hearing his voice in different ways uh, is good for us, and it's a, it's a blessing. I also uh, thought about running past verse 8, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and jump into verse 8, because you read on down here another picture of our growing in Christ. Verse 8, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. 
So do we need to hear him? Yes, when you compare our ways. And my thoughts, then your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not remain there, but water the earth, making it bring forth sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so we see this picture of growing, uh, like a plant or a tree, growing and producing. So shall, verse 11, my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God, when it goes out, is always successful. So these paths of grace aren't just opportunities. They are. But they're opportunities that have promises, that have blessings, and they have an effect. It is always efficacious. The Lord is always doing exactly as he intends with it. Very good. So the first thing uh, we have on the next page, uh, on your next handout, uh, part of that is reading the scriptures. That's a, the, one of the primary ways that we hear God's voice. And we said, and I would say, reading the scriptures is the most important aspect of your Christian growth is to know and hear the Word of God. Now, we've mentioned this name before. Jim Pittman was our old uh, pastor before Dan. Dan was our associate at the time. And I I just want to tell you, Jim Pittman was a ferocious man when it came to the Word of God. If you saw him coming down the hallway and you hadn't had your quiet time, you kind of wanted to slink away a little bit. Not because he was angry with you, but you knew this question was coming. How's your time in the Word this week? always asking me that question and it you know what it that kind of accountability made me be more diligent and being in the word of god jim Pittman had a big impact on my life and on this church it, the church needed to be redirected in in a more godly direction and that had to start with understanding god's word what is god calling us to do um, second area of scripture i want to turn us to is to first peter 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read beginning with verse 22. Thinking about the effect of the word of the Lord and why it's so important. This is, again, answering the why it's important to be in God's word and the how that we grow. Verse 22 says, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, talking about God's word, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So here you have uh, instruction and you have the fruit uh, and the direction clarified for us. Since you have been born again, salvation, not of perishable seed but imperishable through the living and the abiding word of God. So the word of God again brings us into salvation but it continues on. Remember it doesn't stop there, it's continuing to work on us and to transform us. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the Lord, word of the Lord endures, remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. So, as a result of this, the word, what should we do? Put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by you may grow up into salvation. 
So if you think about a growing baby, you think about the milk that they desire. And this is just foundational truth that we need the Word of God in order to grow. If you think about a baby not getting the milk, you know there's going to be trouble, right? The baby's not going to grow. We need the Word for salvation. We need it for sanctification. And we need to have our minds reset. Um, why else should I study the Word of God? We, we know there's many blessings. Why should I? What are some other th- reasons why I need to study God's Word? It's a question. Everybody's quiet. What is it? For guidance? Yeah, we need direction. Sometimes you have decisions to make. We need guidance. Yes. Dan? Oh, discernment. Oh, my goodness. And there's so many things passing in front of us that we need good discernment for. Yes, Denny? Yes, it's useful for correction for others and for me, right? I need the correcting as well. Yes. Yes, the deception of, of Satan. Yes, he's the deceiver, and we need to be able to see some. The, the Word of God helps us to see all those things. I also want you to think about the world is always calling. The world is always calling. I think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they were told when the when was it trumpets that go off that they're, they're supposed to bow, right? But they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it, but the, but the, the, the sound keeps coming, and, and they're going to stand firm because they understand what God has called them to do, but the, it keeps calling. Look, we live in a society now that is so connected with our phones and with our tablets, and everything the world has to offer is always pushing things out of the way that God wants us to, to think about and set our minds on. We are really overwhelmed with temptations and information, and while these things can be very helpful, they so easily draw us away. Even good things that are really good, and you get lost in there, and you think, I was just reading this article for an hour, and got stuck on these little links here, and where have I spent my evening? Listen, it's so, we have to be so careful about protecting ourselves, because the sound is always going off. We're always being drawn away. We need the Word of God to reset our mind and to focus what is important, what is God calling me to do. Uh, So there's our our encouragement. Scriptures are a wonderful mix of emotion and direction. Anyone who reads through the Psalms knows this. You know, you hear the, the, you resonate the emotion that David has. His love for God's Word, Psalm 119, is a good section to read. It's huge, bright, but it's so full of the importance of God's Word and and the delighting and the joy that he has in there. Kevin DeYoung, taking God at his word, just simply breaks down sections of Psalm 119 and just reminds us how emotion-packed it is. God wants not just our obedience, but he wants our heart. He wants our desires, and that is fueled by the Word of God. One way you could look at it If you remember the old steam trains, right? You open the vent, (laughs) throw in some wood, get the heat going, get the pressure building up, and the train starts to to move. Uh, That's a lot of what the Word of God can be doing in our life. We need to be feeding ourselves with the Word of God and, and producing the strength that we need.
a few things about uh, reading the scriptures to, to think about man in creation, in the beginning, you realize that we, we needed directions, right? He didn't talk to the animals and try to give them what they're supposed to do. He created us such that we need instructions. We need to have our minds set on what our jobs are. Uh, and so we were created for directions and in communications. It's important to remember that that didn't go too well, right? In the fall of man, in the garden, you think about Adam's temptation, and he failed to obey the word of the Lord, right? He ate of the tree of good and knowledge. Um, and you think, you think, poor Adam, he didn't have anything written down to remind him what he was supposed to do. But God was there, right? God was there. So we can't really give him too much slack here. But yeah, I was wondering if he'd written it down. Maybe he would have done a little better. He said, honey, look, we're supposed to do that. But instead, Satan comes, Evelyn mentioned, and you know, confuses us on what God, what did he really say? And we tend to forget what it is that we're supposed to do. He failed to obey God's spoken word. And you look at the redemption that we have. This, you see the first Adam in his temptation. Think about the second Adam in his temptation. Remember Christ in the wilderness? He's also brought into temptation by Satan. In a, in a deceiving way to try to get him to uh, follow his uh, stomach in some ways and his desire for fame and fortune. Uh, but unlike Adam, he is successful in his temptations. Each was challenged uh, by a, a slight distorting of the word of God. Uh, Christ was successful in not falling to that. Uh, you see dramatically different responses than you see from Adam. And one of the first temptations, you remember this, uh, Christ says this, man does not live by bread alone. Very popular, we remember that. And you wonder, well, what do you mean by that? How, by bread alone, okay. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we are dependent not just on the food that we eat, we are so dependent on hearing the instruction from the Lord. And if you study this, and by the way, we need to study when we read God's Word. We don't, don't want to take things out of context. We don't want to misapply what He's telling us. You see the reference of that going back to Deuteronomy 8.3, where Moses is addressing Israel in the wilderness, and they're hungry. He's reminding them they could not live on bread alone. And where did, where did the, their sustenance come from? Floated down every morning. It was the manna. It was a miracle. It was a clear picture of God's provision. We need more than just the bread that comes out of our oven. We need the giver of the bread who supplies what we need. This is the point that Christ was talking to us. We need to study his word because if we just take a, a little snippet of scripture, have you ever experienced that where a little Someone comes to you with a little snippet of scripture and you're thinking, you've taken that way out of context. I'm sure I've done the same thing. And we don't want to separate what God's message is by taking small pieces out like Satan did in the temptation. Uh, we needed to remember that God's provision did not come alone. It sets our mind on the Lord. And the point is that we need this kind of dependence and it's a, it's a, in your notes, it's a provision 
of direction, a provision of direction. God is directing us, and we, we needed that. Not just the bread, but we needed direction. Christ is explaining to us the reality behind what we physically see and what we physically experience. And left a kind of an example here. Now we're in out of time. Uh, about work. You know, we all go to work. We, uh, if you have a job and you earn money uh, and you get to go and buy food, uh, and so you buy a, uh, I'm thinking of something healthy, uh, a stalk of asparagus on your plate, and you can look at that and you can think, you know, thanks for the, thank you, Mr. Asparagus, for providing that, right? No, it's not really what you do. You don't thank, you shouldn't just, just be thanking that we have, I mean, we're thankful for food. I'm thankful that I have a grocery store to go to. I actually went to Sprouts last week, I'm going to do that. Uh, we're thankful that we have a job, we, we're thankful for our boss, they're providing us work. Uh, we're thankful for a bank. It gives us access to money. We can put money in there, right? Those, those are all blessings. We're thankful for those things, but we're missing something. And our natural mind, by default, likes to just to focus on the physical of what we can see. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed, your seed, this is personal, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so... Again, the scriptures point us back to, it redirects us from the physical simply and expands our mind to see this, this is the Lord that we're praising. The fact that I have a, a plate of asparagus, uh, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the food that we've been given because the Lord has provided it and he is, he is good. We need to be able to listen. Uh, when we set our mind on the scriptures this way, Worship is restored. We get a better direction on how to live our lives. And he corrects our views that are easily astrayed because we're not listening. Okay, you thought you were going to get by without a fishing story. It's your fishing story. Uh, one of the places I love to go and fish is up in Bull Shoals, Arkansas. Right? Bull Shoals, Denny's nodding. It's a great place if you want to go trout fishing. At the state park there, you're below a dam, okay? And the water level's fairly low. You go out there, you, when, the, when the water's low, you run out there and you go fishing. But you gotta be careful because something goes off every once in a while. What is that? It's an alarm. This horn goes off, oh, right? And all the fishermen get out of there. They go up to the bank. So this is about 20 years ago. I remember this story. My son, my oldest son, Matthew, out there, we're fishing, and believe it or not, we're catching fish. <laughs> we're so excited. And I'm like, we're just focused on the fish, and my son, Matthew, looks over at me. He says, Dad, did the horn go off? I went, no, it didn't go off. Come on, let's go. And I'm getting bites and fish, and, and uh, my son looks at me. He says, hey, Dad, he said, is the water level coming up? And I went, no, look, we're catching fish, let's go, we're catching. And I said, he asked me the third time, he says, look, son, you, you see our fishing tackle box? You see that on a rock there, right? He goes, yeah. You see, it's, a, it's the water's right there. If the water's coming up, we'll, we'll be able to see it. It's like, stop bothering me. You know, I'm doing this. About five minutes later, he looks at me and says, Dad, where's your, where's your tackle box? And I look over it, my tackle box is gone. There's no rock. 
there's just water rushing, right? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And we're on the opposite side of the river. We've got to cross the river. And I'm realizing the water's going pretty fast. And it really was a harrowing experience. I'm grabbing my son, who's 12 years old, and we're walking across in our waders. And I'm realizing that one small step on a stone, and my waders are going to fill up with water, and they'll find me next week or something. And so we're walking along. And I look up on the other side of the bank, and there's like five other fishermen just staring at us like, you go, they're pulling for us, right? And some of them may be wagering whether we were going to make it or not. We made it across, and we were thankful, and I realized that I was focused on the wrong thing. I wasn't listening. I was carried away. I got myself stuck in a bad place because I wasn't paying attention. Now, the horn went off. Was that a blessing or was that a curse? It was a blessing. I took it as a curse. I wasn't paying attention. To what I was doing. Do you see the connection I'm making to the scriptures? We need that kind of listening because there are dangers that we can fall into and there are joys ahead of us if we're following him. Okay. Remember several things that the scriptures provide for us. This is just a brief kind of major things that we need to know. It tells us who God is and we need to constantly be reminded of who God is. He's not the judge with a hammer. He is a judge with a hammer, but he's also much more than that, right? He loves us. He has a plan for us. Why I was created? What should I be doing? What should I not be doing? Primary, the primary message you read from the scriptures is to understand and know Christ in salvation. That's the thread that weaves all through the scriptures that we need to pay attention and look for. Christ coming in the flesh to know his promises, to know our future and our hope. And when you're reading the scriptures, uh, there's plenty of how-tos on how to do that. I would just encourage us to take a broad view of that, spend some time in the New Testament. Uh, It informs how we see the Old Testament. But spend time in in the Old Testament. And I know several of you that that will study uh, one of those, either the New Testament in the morning and the evening. They'll spend time in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a lot of different scripture reading plans. Uh, I'm so impressed by those of you who use the Horner method. If anyone's doing that, I'm impressed. You guys read a, a large sections of scripture, and that's, that's wonderful. Uh, some of us have to focus in a little bit better on what it is that God is saying to do, but taking a, a, a view of looking at both the old and the new is very important. Uh, the characteristics of Scripture, I also want to, to lay out to you just briefly uh, what, God, what the Bible says about itself. Number one, it is sufficiency, the sufficiency of Scripture. Your blank is sufficiency. And what we mean by that is it has everything we need for salvation and for godly living. We've talked about that this morning. Clarity. It is what we mean by clarity. The Bible is clear. It's understandable by ordinary believers. You should never be uh, concerned that you're not smart enough to understand the scriptures. In Deuteronomy 6, it talks about us teaching it to our children, right? So it should be easy enough for the children to understand Don't be intimidated by sections of Scripture because you have what you need. You can understand. If you can read, you can understand the Scriptures. It is authoritative. 
all the words in Scripture, we believe, are God's words. Second um, Timothy 3.16 is, it's, it's, all Scripture is inspired. It is breathed out by God. It's God's words. Dis, that means disbelieving or disobeying Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. So we call ourselves a Bible church because we believe that. And when we have problems, we go to the Scriptures and look for those answers. It is necessary, or the, script, the necessity is your blank. It is the necessity of Scripture. Uh, we mean by that it's needed for explaining how to live and who Christ is and how to be saved. Uh, so there's a, uh, another type of, of revelation. God give it, Psalm 19 is a good example. It tells us what the world provides. We, we have a picture of who, maybe who God is. We can see his righteousness on, on display, but it doesn't give us any details on how to obtain that. That's done through the scriptures. So for those who want to run off to some commune and, and meet with God, and that's all you ever do, uh, looking at the sunset, it's wonderful, but we need much more than that. We need to hear the word of God, and that is our message. We need to hear God's word. There's so much more to talk about there. Remember, that is the most important aspect of your Christian life, to be in the Word of God day and night. Uh, part of this is also talked about is meditation. Again, we're still in hearing God's Word. And I, we would say that meditation is, is considered the high point, the high point of your Bible reading is meditation. To think it over. God has created us to contemplate. He's given us the ability to look at Scripture and just to, to roll it over in our mind, to think about what does this mean. Uh, this is where a lot of change happens in your Bible study, where you read a passage of Scripture and then you start really asking good questions and applying it into your life. Um, when we think about meditation, we want to be careful that we avoid some of the cultural counterfeits uh, we don't mean by meditation that you clear your mind. Uh, you can think of who, who are the people who sit in little positions and they do this. They clear their mind of all these things. We're not saying that that's not helpful. I mean, it probably can bring your blood pressure down and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of counterfeits when you think about meditating. And when we say meditating on God's Word, we're talking about filling up your mind, not emptying your mind. Uh, in Proverbs, if, when you read the simple-minded... Some of you know this. Simple-minded means to be empty-headed. Don't be empty-headed. <laughs> Fill your mind with God's Word. It's important to realize that we need the Holy Spirit. He is, going, he is our helper. He's, uh, I think Mathis calls him the X-factor uh, when we're reading God's Word. I want to read this to you just for a moment. This is a, from Mathis' book because I thought it was really helpful. He says, the Bible is no magic book, but a strange, enigmatic power stirs when we read the scriptures. Something influential, though invisible, is happening. As we hear God's word read or spoken, and when we read or study, something supernatural but unseen transpires. As we see the text in front of us and take it into our souls, Someone unseen moves. Isn't that good? When you open up the scriptures, you're not just there on your own. The Holy Spirit is with you, helping you to understand 
what this means. Don't walk away thinking, wow, I was so smart that I figured this out this morning. (laughs) But you have the Holy Spirit with you, and He is helping us to understand and apply it to your life. Uh, We see the admonition again and again to do it day and night. Psalms 1 and Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And so, sort of like bookends, we want to start our day with the scriptures. We want to end our day with the scriptures and just remembering who God is and what he's done. Uh, Tell us why that's important. Why is it important to be in the scriptures every day? What, about, what is it about man that we need? Russ? Thank you. Bingo. We forget. We are so easy. You know, remember the Stones of Remembrance? It was, was that in Joshua? Uh, we'll find out today. Where, you know, they set up these pillars just to remind, this is what happened here. Oh, I forget. This is happens here. We have to remember these things. I think about it, uh, every time there's a storm, you see the little radar thing going? <laughs> a little radar that go, takes, goes around, and you see where the storms are, and you... And you have a picture of what that is, then it fades away. And then you're wondering, where is it now? And the radar comes back and you go, oh yeah, there it is. Listen, our minds are like that. We just forget. Things leak out. We need to be constantly reminded of who God is and what he's done. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need renewing. They need to be filled up again and again. You don't read it and you're done. You have to be reminded. Remember that it applies to me first. I don't mean Ken first. I mean you first. All of us first. If it's calling for repentance, it's calling for us to repent. When it's identifying weaknesses, we need to think about our weaknesses. Think of you, what you need from the scriptures, and then think about how you can use that in, in the lives of others to encourage them. And we would also add to ask good questions uh, when you're reading the scriptures. And there's a lot of good ways to do that. One popular way we've talked about before here is smack. Anyone ever heard about smacking the Bible? A few people? That's basically S-M-A-C. And it basically means, what does the scripture say? What is the scripture saying? M is, what does it mean? What's it, what's it communicating to me? And A is application. How do I apply this to my life? And then C is change. What is God calling me to do differently than I've been doing as my mind is removed? Now, that's easy to remember, and you can teach your kids, parents, the smack. And, and a lot of times when you teach them, they come out and they're so excited. I want to smack my Bible, right? And you're doing it too. But it's a good way to remember uh, how to read your, the Bible and to ask good questions. Uh, the last section, I don't know. Matt, should we do it next time or do it now? We'll go ahead and go through this. All right, uh, number four is to memorize. And, and basically, we're talking about molding your mind to God. It's so important uh, to have the Scripture in your mind. You don't always have the Scriptures with you. Memorization is a wonderful way for you to remember God's Word, especially when there's a trial or when you have a confrontation with someone, or opportunity comes for you to actually help and to apply what you know to help them, even to help yourself, the Word of God needs to be living and abiding in us. Read 1 Corinthians 2.16, you hear this amazing statement. It says that we have 
the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have His Spirit. And when we have His Word together, we have strong tools to face the day with. Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind among yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. In that context, two good things that we get from having the Scriptures in our mind is unity and humility. If you've been in the Word enough, you'll find it humbling you, and you'll find it calling you for fellowship with one another in Christ. Those desires are there, but as you read the Scriptures and as you set it in your mind... You find those two things growing. The context of Philippians chapter 2 is talking about those two things. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The best way to do that is to have scripture memory. Makes, uh, having scripture knowledge in your mind makes it useful in conversations. It remolds our mind. Excuse me. It remolds our minds. It keeps our hearts centered on the truth. I know uh, some of you will uh, take a little index card, probably old school, but you write out your scripture memory on that. I'd, I've done that before. I'll stick it in your pocket and you can pull it out during the day and watch that. Now that we're in the electronic age, you can simply just pull up a scripture on your phone and have it there. And then as your day goes on, you can kind of glance back and remember what your verse was. That's the, the memorization of Scripture. Uh, keeps our heart centered on, on truth. Take it, take it with you wherever we go. And last thing I would say about memorization is it involves others. Uh, it's excellent. My advice to you is involve others with your memorization plan, whether that's a family, memorizing the Scriptures together as a family, or whether that's in discipleship or counseling. Uh, or it's, it's good to have doing it as a group helps us to keep those moving forward. Um, journaling, I've, I've jumped over. I want to not miss that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that up next week. And so let me close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for just calling us out into darkness, into your marvelous light. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you've brought to us. Thank you for these paths of grace that reveals to us your love and your desire to have fellowship with us. Lord, I pray that we would pursue that, and especially, Lord, this week, Pray that it would be in your word and that we would, it would cause us to grow. We pray that you would be with Keith this morning as he brings the word of God. Lord, I pray we'd have listening ears uh, that would help us to grow. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.